it's the how of everything that stops us from doing things. Like if I had to figure out how to do an, the in pre, like pre-purchase inspection, uh, look through all the log books, do all, if I had to figure out how, there's no way that I would have done that in a month and a half. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by ecospace.com. Now here's your hosts, Adam and Jason. Welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I'm your co-host, Jason J. Lou Lewis. And today I'm excited because we're going to do something a little different today. We're going to talk about real estate. We're going to talk about real estate and aviation. Uh, This last year, I had a a major goal of, of mine is to get my private pilot's license, both for a personal reason, but also so I could fly to mobile home parks that I was acquiring across the Midwest that were not serviceable by uh, airlines that came out of Kansas City. Um, So essentially, I was buying stuff 150 miles away from any major airport because everyone else was buying them 150 miles and closer. So I set a goal of get my license, plane hacking, buying planes, flipping them to kind of make it for free. And then I started sharing that. recently. And the amount of people that come out of the woodwork that love aviation, planes, and real estate is awesome. So what better person than Bill Allen, who is a Navy pilot, he's a real estate professional, CEO and owner of Seven Figure Flipping and the host of the Seven Figure Flipping podcast, top flipping wholesale and mentoring group in the world. Um, He has blackjack real estate. He does over 200 flips a year. And he has awesome stories about how he flew down to get an ex-senator to fly back to a charity event and be able to stroke a $10,000 check to the the charity event that uh, Bill was hosting. So, I mean, this guy has served our country. He's crushing real estate. He has a sweet plane. And I think that's the ultimate man's guy's dream right there. So, I've talk too much already. I just want Bill to just talk the rest and just talk planes and real estate and giving back because that guy does it all. So Bill Allen, take it away. Well, yeah, that's a, that's a pretty high pedestal to jump off of, right, Jason? So, well, thanks for the intro. First of all, um, I guess if we want to talk about planes, like I, I remember, so I've been flying for, this is my 18th year of service. So I've got a little over 3000 hours about a thousand hours in a H60 Sierra a Black Hawk, like Navy version of the Black Hawk. And a bunch of, di- I was a test pilot for the Navy. So I flew probably 40 or 50, 50 different types of helicopters and airplanes at school. And then as a test pilot at Pax River. And then uh, now I'm a flight instructor still down in Pensacola part-time. So I still get to work as a reservist. Um, I'm in my 18th year of service. I did about 15 years of active duty. And so, but the government always paid for my gas and the government always paid for the plane, the maintenance and all that stuff. And I was I was never into general aviation. It just wasn't a thing for me. I didn't grow up wanting to be a pilot. I actually didn't watch Top Gun until I was almost like already commissioned in the Navy. So um, it, it was just kind of, it seemed to be a cool thing when I was getting ready to graduate college. So I, initially I wanted to be a Navy SEAL. Then my dad was on submarines. So he kind of pushed me away from that and pushed me over to submarines. And then I went and saw what pilots do and they were playing golf all day. They were screwing around. They were flying. Um, it looked like an awesome job. So that was like my intro to aviation and flying for the Navy. It was like, man, it's just, it was great. I loved it. I loved the flying. I didn't necessarily like all the other stuff, like the paperwork, the, uh, the admin things, things like that. Like a lot of the stuff in our business, you know, we like the deal making. We like a lot of that stuff as entrepreneurs. We don't necessarily like to like dot the I's and cross the T's. So, um, that was kind of my background. And then I, um, 
I've always had a, a couple friends, really close friends of mine who were like, I'm going to buy a plane. I was like, man, that seems like really expensive. It seems like something that's way, but I'm here I am buying like $250,000 houses, putting $30,000 into them and so, like on a regular basis, have multi-million dollars of other people's money in my business all the time. And I'm worried about potentially just buying a plane that even costs like $35,000. It's kind of funny when you think about the actual cost of some of these are not necessarily that expensive. Um, so that was kind of, I said, you know what? I'm making a lot of money this year. I got to look for some tax deductions. And that's what kind of forced me to take the leap and take the jump um, of, you know, buying an airplane and getting into general aviation because I've had my, like, I have a commercial license. I have a, um, I have the CFI, I have a CFI, like a, uh, a flight instructor, a flight instructor instru uh, instrument rating that I can basically train other people, but I just never used it. It was just a military equivalency that passed over. So that's kind of like my background in aviation. And, um, I don't know where you want to go from there, but maybe it was like, why did you buy a plane or something? I don't know. Yeah, let's let's start with the the normal question. Well, kind of the 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 I don't know. It's not boring normally, but when you're talking cool planes and jets and and the and the navy, it's 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 a little normal. It's just how'd you get in the real estate, and then and then maybe we can dive into the the actual tax implications and the benefit of having a plane if you're a real estate investor. Yeah, the real estate side of things, uh, I was moving all the time. I moved like 15 times in 16 years in the Navy like that. I was just moving every, sometimes every nine months through flight school all around. And so I was, I was heavily invested in the stock market. I was always a saver. So I was looking, I, I was an index fund investor. And I thought that that was going to be like my path to financial freedom. And uh, it, I would track my net worth all the time. It just wasn't going up. I started buying houses where I lived and moved and rented them out afterwards. And once I got two or three rental houses, I started to see my net worth start going up with equity and, and rental income. Uh, eventually, I, I went to test pilot school in England, met my wife there. So I met, um, I met my, my wife now, right? So my girlfriend at the time, we, she moved, we kind of moved back. Like I moved back here and she came and visited and I wouldn't, didn't let her leave. I asked her to marry me right when she got here and she stayed from then on. And then we, we got pregnant about six months after that. So, you know, now I have two mouths to feed and I'm starting to say like, I, this needs to speed up. I also have no patience and um, I want to see my net worth grow and I wanted to kind of become a millionaire and retire early. And so when I saw real estate was doing it for me, I started kind of reading more and learning more about it. So just, I would buy a rental house and run out of cash. And when I ran out of cash, I was doing it the, like the hard way, 20% down, get a mortgage, fix it up, put a tenant in there and then save up money again. And so after a couple of years of that, I just said, look, I'm, uh, I'm going to try to flip a house. Like uh, I actually bought it as a rental. My realtor said, you know, you can sell this thing and make good money. Made $43,000 on that first flip that I did. And that was like half of my income from the year. I was hooked and addicted to that. And so then I was flipping like one a year and uh, saw somebody who was doing hundreds a year and said, I'm just going to go figure out what that guy's doing and figure out how to maybe do it a little bit better. So I just kind of latched on to some other people that were doing it at a high level and just replicated and copied what they did. Uh, first year of business, we did 76 houses. The year after that, we did 135, then 187. And we're somewhere around that range every year now, like 175 or so per year. Uh, and I have a COO that runs the company, so I get to kind of do what I want to do. So I work about two, an hour and a half, two hours a week in that business. I don't necessarily make as much money as I did when I was working in it full time, but I get paid a paycheck every Friday. We do pretty well and I love it. It's, uh, I can design my life the way that I want. So that was the kind of five-year transition from um, full-time Navy uh, pilot with a part-time side hustle. And really I had like two full-time jobs when I was flipping houses, even one a year 
to uh, eventually I got out of the Navy after about two years of doing that and went part-time as a reservist. So real estate was just kind of the means to hope ideally financial and really like time freedom and, and now more impact than anything. Um, and that was just kind of my mission and it allowed me to do that. And I think it's cool because we can control, we can control it. We're investing in ourselves, our business and start something as opposed to when I was investing in index funds and stocks, I just, I didn't know the people I didn't know. I didn't really understand it. Frankly, I was just hoping that it, it went as planned and as it did in history. So that's uh, I don't know, a little bit of my story. That's a great story. So that takes us to today and uh, maybe take us back. You, you said you needed a tax. You made your crush in the real estate. You had this uh, tax problem and that, and you loved aviation or maybe, you, I don't know if time you, you loved GA, it didn't sound like, but you said, yeah, let's buy a plane. So take us through the, the benefits and maybe how that could benefit a real estate person interested in getting their license. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say that. Like, I, I love to fly. I loved aviation. And what I was doing was I, was I have to go down to Pensacola 60 days a year. So I have to work there 60 days out of the year. I live in Nashville, Tennessee. It's, a, it's anywhere between a five and a half to six and a half hour drive, depending on, you know, any of that stuff. And so what, what I was doing is I would go down there on Sunday night and I'd get back either Friday night or Saturday morning. So to work Monday through Friday, my five days. And I do five days every month. And so I was seeing my, like my whole goal in life was to be around for my kids. They're starting to get older. My oldest is turning six. Um, so I want to be there when they start remembering that daddy's around all the time. So I looked at an airplane, like a means for me to get down there fast. So instead of six and a half hours, I can be down there in an hour and a half. So now I can fly down there on Monday morning. I can take my kids to school on Monday, make them breakfast, take them to school. I can fly down there. I can fly for the Navy Monday afternoon and evening. And I can be back on Friday for our Mexican restaurant that we eat at every Friday together as a family. So I really only miss, you know, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, and Thursday night with them. And I'm home as much as possible. So that was part of the mission of, I know I'm going to fly down, down and back to Pensacola a ton. Also, I'm part of a bunch of different mastermind groups and different events that I travel to and speak on stages and things. So I knew that I have a business requirement for this thing. And that kind of just like pushed me to go do it. I have this tax, I have this tax uh, burden that I know it's going to hit me. And so it was like the end of October. I had just gotten back from my event in San Diego and I said, you know what? Like, I'm tired of this. Like, I'm tired of commercial flying. I'm tired of driving down. I had to drive down to Pensacola like three days after I got back from a week-long event that I was doing. And I was just like, I'm tired. I, w- I, w- I want to save time. Like, I want to get my time back. And so that was it. I said, look, I can buy a plane, um, but it's intimidating. It was super intimidating to me. So I didn't know what to do. I didn't know anything about general aviation, didn't know how much, what kind of plane I should buy, how much I should spend, all that stuff. But I flew the T-34. The T-34 Charlie was like a, a, a Beechcraft airplane that um, I knew was very, it was a, a great equivalent to the, it was very similar to the Bonanza A36. And I have a family of five. And so I looked at this A36 as a six-seater. It was very similar. Almost the entire uh, landing gear system is the same. The wing structure is the same. Uh, the fuselage is a little bit different. But, and obviously, the, the engine is significantly different from a, a gas turbine. But I looked at it and said, you know what? Um, this, I think I could fly this thing pretty easily. I'd never flown one before. And I said, that's what I'm going to go buy. And I just said, that's it. I'm ready. And so that was kind of my, my mission, like looking at the mission, seeing what I would do and saying, I think I'd be comfortable in this thing from day one because I have like 1200 hours in the T-34. So, um, and then the insurance was really cheap. All that stuff was good. Um, and it, to tell the story of actually how I, the, the intimidating side of it, it was scary to me. So I found somebody like a referral. And so I listened to a couple like aviation podcasts at that time. I started like studying it 
to learn about an inspection. And, and I was super overwhelmed and intimidated, just like probably somebody who's listening to this is just getting into real estate. It's like, I'm overwhelmed. What do I do? And so I found somebody who already knew what, how to do it. So I found a, uh, somebody who goes out and finds planes for other people. I got a referral from a friend of mine. Uh, actually, the woman who plans our Walt Disney World trips. We go down to Disney World all the time. And we have a planner that plans all the trips for us, lays it out so we don't have to do any of that stuff. And so her cousin does that same thing for airplanes. And he flew, for, he flew um, uh, F-15s, I think, for the Air Force. And so we had a lot in common. And he just went out and started hunting down planes for me. I said, look, I need to have this plane in service by December 31st. Um, so that's, that's your mission. You've got a month and a half. He's like a month and a half. I said, yep, you got a month and a half. And he just went out and hustled and traveled and found the, found different planes, test flew them, said, no, don't like this one, like this one. And he did all the work. And, um, I just uh, bought a commercial ticket for me and my son. And, uh, my dad met us up in Easton, Maryland, picked up the airplane after I bought it, like December 28th and flew it to Nashville. That's great. So, I, I think the power right there also that's, is the power of, of relationships and just asking and putting yourself out there because, hey, you had a need and you connected with someone and they knew someone and the next thing you know, you have a plane. I think that's a lot of times even real estate, like, hey, I want to get into multifamily or I want to get into mobile homes or I want to get my brokerage license and there's someone out there that can help you. Um, and, you, you know, you had a pretty large need, specific need. I want a plane in, in a month and a half, two months. Most people spend years trying to drag through the aviation world to find a plane. So that's the power well, of uh, just putting yourself out there. Let's take it one step deeper than that. So I, at, right, I got frustrated. I made one Facebook post and I said, I'm looking for a Bonanza A36. Who can help me find one? And this, my Disney planner saw it, tagged her cousin her cousin reached out to me. We had a conversation. I liked him immediately. I was like, the fee sounds fair. You know, I, I don't have time to do this. Like, I need somebody else to do it. You already know how to do it. Go do it. And then as we were looking for planes, one of the, one of the guys in, in my mastermind group said, hey, I'm, I've been he, huge in aviation, loves it. And he starts sending me planes all the time. And so the plane that I actually ended up buying was one that he sent me. It was a listing that he sent me that I then forwarded over to the broker. The broker, you know, looked at it, um, kind of talked to them, broke it down and said, yeah, I'm going to go check this one out. Among with, uh, along with like four others that he traveled around to look at. Basically, we looked at price. We looked at, and like you said, I ended up kind of flipping it. It was an older plane, original owner, 1975. The guy passed away. It was in probate effectively. Like the family was selling it off. We we're able to get a great price. And I was, I've been putting work into it ever since I bought it, like, you know, the last year and a half. So like my network came together to, to do all this in a month and a half, which is basically unheard of, especially when it's a seller's market at that time for airplanes. Yeah, I, I think that's even even more power right there that it even came from one of your mastermind real estate groups. And yeah, um, so yeah. Well, tell us a couple of fun things that the different listeners, when we post this out there and they see real estate and aviation, uh, maybe some, a couple fun stories. Let's Let's dive in. It sounds like you had one that you flew down and, and you're hosting a charity event. You flew down and picked someone up and that created uh, some, some large donations possibly. Yeah. So, um, so th that, that story, like I, I met uh, another real estate investor down in Puerto Rico and uh, at, an, at another event about uh, IRAs and 401ks and stuff like that. It was a John Hire's event. And then we, we got to talking and he saw one of my shirts that I was wearing. So I'm the Tennessee director for Operation Underground Railroad. So they um, fight uh, human trafficking. So sex slavery for kids effectively. 
And um, here in the U.S. and overseas, there are about 2 million kids in, uh, being trafficked for, for sex in the U.S. and overseas. So a very, very dark thing. And he, we connected. We started talking about it. He's like, hey, I heard, I got a story about that. So we sat down and talked. Um, he's, a, he's a previous, I didn't know that he was a previous senator at the time. He was just another real estate investor from Mississippi. And uh, he was at a family house down in Destin. And we started, I said, hey, I got this event coming up where the, the founder, Tim Ballard, we're going to bring him out to Franklin, Tennessee, and he's going to speak and we're going to show the documentary. So uh, do you want to come up? And he's like, yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. I said, why don't, you know, why don't I just come pick you up in the plane? I'm going to be down in Pensacola anyway. You're going to be in Destin. It's perfect. I'll just, you guys just come, I'll fly you back to Nashville. And then you can either, I'll either fly you back down afterwards, or you guys can rent a car and, and hang out in Nashville for a little bit and drive back. And he's like, that sounds perfect. So my, my trip down to Pensacola eventually got canceled because just the timing worked out, didn't work out. So I said, I talked to him and I said, hey, I'm, I'm just going to come pick you up anyway. Um, I need to fly. I need to exercise the plane. It'll be fun. Uh, him and his wife were really looking forward to flying in the airplane. And so I went down, uh, picked him up. They jumped in and uh, off we went back to, um, back to Nashville. And you know, I didn't have any expectations that they were going to write a big check for the organization. Uh, but they ended up, you know, making a sizable donation to the organization. And I'm sure that they're going to be a lifelong uh, donor and giver going forward. So, I, I, you know, relationships like that, we were talking a little bit pre-show about like what, what you can do with different things. The people that I've met in FBOs, the fixed base operators, the place that you land your plane and get gas. I've, you know, met all kinds of different people. You never know who you're going to bump into. I've seen, um, I've seen the Commandant of the Marine Corps in an unmarked uh, G550 uh, in, te- in Texas. I've seen all kinds of different things. There's a really interesting world out there that you kind of get to rub shoulders. You want to talk about raising private money. There's a ton of money in this world, okay? So as a real estate investor, you talk about country clubs, like you can want to one-up country clubs, go ahead and get in the plane world. Like these guys are buying multi-million dollar planes that take a million dollars a year just to, just to run it you know? So there's a, uh, there's crazy money in this world. Uh, not, not my plane. So I don't know if we show a picture of my plane. It's definitely not that. Uh, and fortunately I painted it because it was looking a little bit, a uh, little bit nasty when I picked up the sender. <laughs> yeah. That, uh, plane I picked up is the third one. I same with the real estate. I just, I can't go out and buy something normal. So dove into it and learned and, and then, uh, bought one in Alaska and flew it down and sold it in San Diego and, bought another one in the Midwest and, and flipped that one. And it went down to uh, Tampa and I picked this other one up in the Midwest. And it definitely uh, is a, is a, is a fixer upper uh, cosmetic wise. So I've, I've hesitated a little bit since getting that one this last couple months of taking prospects or clients up to fly around Denver, looking at their property or such, because they kind of look at this and be like, Oof, Oof. so, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's been great. It's, it's been, it's probably been the most for me engaging thing that I've probably done probably ever actually with like posting it just a little bit. I don't do it to like, Hey, look at me or any of that. I, I post it cause I, I realized that there's such like a passion and behind flying. And I never really had that as a farm kid. I was in dirt bikes and I, I started to use motorcycle dealerships. So I was buying and selling motorcycles since I was, you know, 14 up through college. So it was all about engines and fast, never about aviation. Um, but I found that the, the passion of people that want to get their license is like nothing like I've ever actually ever experienced. Like someone sees a post and then they'll just message me and be like, and then the passion behind that desire is, is crazy. So 
I don't know, any, any thoughts kind of of you and why real estate and aviation and flying might be so well inter interconnected? Well, I think you, I think you hit it. Like that, that word passion is so important. Like we have this like relentless drive towards things. Like when you find your why and you're really passionate about what you do, then you can, you can hit like goals and limit, like you can bust through the, the mindset issues, the limitations, the limiting beliefs, all that stuff. And you know, it, I had this limiting belief that like, it's really hard to buy a plane. Like how much do you pay to manage it? Where do you keep it? How do you maintain it? Like how do you, it's, it's the how of everything that stops us from doing things. Like if I had to figure out how to do an, the, the, the in pre, uh, like pre-purchase inspection, uh, look through all the log books, do all, if I had to figure out how, there's no way that I would have done that in a month and a half, right? So I, I found the who. So Dan Sullivan talks about this all the time, the who, not the how, right? So I think it goes with real estate. It goes with everything that we do. Who already knows how to do that? Can I pay them to show me how to do it? And now I'm slowly learning. Like I did, an, I did my first annual this year where I took it to a place. Next year, I want to do an owner-assisted annual where I'll start kind of learning a little bit more. I know enough about my plane to be dangerous just because I flew a T-34 forever. But that passion is what it's all about. Like if you're not like passionate about what you're doing, if it's for the money, you're never gonna you're never gonna make it very far. So um, I feel like I just love I don't know I, I'll tell you what I really love I love getting in my car with a bag, driving to the airplane, putting my stuff in, going to fly to the beach. Right now, this morning I could have woke up, woke up, dropped my kids off at school, driven to the plane, flown down to the beach down in Pensacola or Orange Beach, dipped my toes in the sand for about two hours, flew home, picked my kids up from school. Nobody would have known what I did, like. I, I can just do whatever I want whenever I want. When people can't go to the, the airport uh, right now, you know, during this coronavirus COVID stuff, I can go wherever I want. Like it's, it's just very freeing. And really, I think real estate investing, that's probably why a lot of people are interested in, in becoming a pilot because we don't want to be other people control what we can and can't do. What can I bring on my airplane? Like whatever I want, as long as it's legal to fly across state lines, right? So you can and bring probably, as many uh, toe, toenail clippers as you want to, you know, if you have an obsession with clipping your toenails every hour, then you could do that on a plane, you know? Yep. I mean, I, I'm, I'm very strict about what I eat and we're going to the beach on June 20th and my Instapot is going to be in there with a bunch of food in my cooler because I'm, I, I need my specific stuff, my regiment, what I, you know, what I do for the week. It's, but me and my son are going to fly out there. My, he'll be six next week. Me and him are going to be fly to the beach like we do every year. This is the fourth year doing it. And we get to fly on our own airplane the last two years. So much better. Just giving him, driving, driving the four-year-old five. He, he was four when we first took him there in the plane, me and him. And oh, it's so great. Like just give him the iPad, let him look out, let him relax, eat some snacks. You don't have to be there an hour early, park the car. Oh, it's just, it's amazing. And you can fly right to the beach. I don't have to fly an hour and a half from the beach. If I go to BWI, I'm an hour and a half drive from Maryland when I, where I grew up, Ocean City. So now I'm five minutes from our location. It's just, you can, I don't know, you can re- go wherever you want. It's amazing. And I mean, you've done it. So the freedom is what we're looking for as real estate investors. That's, where we, that's what we get in aviation too, I think. So I think that's where a lot of the passion drives. And it's another goal, right? It's another lofty thing that we're trying to accomplish. And it's not easy, especially, get, you know, getting your private pilot's license for the first, it's not easy. I mean, that's a challenge. So these people are probably just really excited about doing something that they thought they could never accomplish. And that's what it's about, like breaking those limiting beliefs, those glass ceilings above our heads in everything that we do. Um, I thought $200,000 a year was the most I could ever make. Like that's just growing up, that's, that was like somebody who was ultra rich in my world. 
That's and someone who I, pays someone else to mow their yard right there, you know, type, <laughs> type money when you're, I grew up a farm kid and that's, that's money where you, you don't mow your own yard. You pay someone too when you're making that money. So that's right. That's right. They got a five-year-old car. Yeah. Like that, they're, they're, that's awesome. Like they, they actually have a pool in the backyard that's, uh, that's in the ground. So I, you know, it was, it was interesting to see the first time I got around people that are making a million dollars a year or $2 million a year. And so it was, uh, just game changing. And I think that's what aviation is for a lot of people when they see, like, I have, I have the, the benefit to like, I picked, I had a guy fly out from, uh, Salt Lake city to Nashville. And then him and I flew up to Boston to one of our events and we got to fly at a thousand feet up the Hudson at, and look at downtown New York, look at the statue of Liberty. That was something that it was a first for me ever. And that was like his first experience in a small airplane like this. He was like, man, I could get used to this. It's just, it's just very freeing to be able to do these kind of things and think I like the whole time I'm doing that. I go, this has got to be illegal. Like there's no way that I, you know, I've done a lot of things in the military that are really cool, but that was probably the coolest flight I've ever had. And it was just, it was awesome. And spend it with people that, you know, uh, it's just perfect entrepreneurs like me. It was, it was amazing. So there's a lot of opportunity there. Yeah. I think that, my guess would also be is that it's it's uh, something to strive for. The type of people that want to get into real estate is they want the freedom. I, I love the saying when you're a real estate entrepreneur or entrepreneur in general is that you're willing to work 80 hours for yourself so you don't have to work 40 hours for someone else, you know? So it's kind of like having your own plane so you can go when you want, but, you know, then you have that the annuals and, and the learning and that struggle to get that initial license. So it's not easy. So you're willing to put in that hardship and all that sacrifice, but when you get there, then you're kind of free. It's kind of like working 80 hours for yourself. You feel better than 40 for someone else, kind of. Um, so yeah, it's 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 been good for me. Why why I jumped into it was I was I wanted to buy a thousand mobile home parks across the Midwest, and all these bigwig buddies of mine that were buying raising 80 million dollar mobile home park funds. I saw their requirements they were sending out was they had to be within 150 miles of a airport that was serviced by DIA and Great Bend, Kansas, 161 miles from Wichita, you know, Fort Morgan, uh, Manhattan, Kansas, Pueblo. So I just said, Hey, from a real estate, I'm just going to buy, it didn't work out. I will state that I own no mobile home parks after buying a year's worth and attempting this, it, that, that concept failed, but I still got my pilot's license out of it. And, and, uh, now flying to other assets across the Midwest. But uh, yeah, any, any just maybe tips and in, in, uh, general lessons, someone maybe getting into aviation, maybe getting their pilot's license or such that you might have after having, I think, 3,000 hours. I mean, that's, that's a lot of hours in a plane. Yeah. I mean, fr- from the flying side, like, you know, I, I was always in a flying job my whole career in the Navy. I never got out of the cockpit. That's very, very rare from a, um, definitely a Navy guy. So that's why the hours kind of ticked up. Um, but you know, I think the biggest thing is it's, it can be dangerous. Like it's not easy. So you have to be on your game all the time and don't take it for granted. What happens is we get into a complacency zone in aviation. The newer people are actually usually a little bit safer because they're, they're actually running the checklists and they're doing things slowly. And then you get in that middle phase. And for us, it's usually over a thousand hours in the military. That's kind of, there's like 750 to a thousand. That's the area where you can become pretty dangerous because you become complacent. And then when you get more senior and you have like 3,000, 4,000, 5,000 hours, you start becoming a little bit more safe again because you're saying like, look, 
I, I don't know everything. You, you start to realize that you are not invincible. You actually, something could happen and you're, you're constantly thinking about what, what happens if. So, so my recommendation is if, depending on where you are, just, you know, know that this is, this can be a very humbling machine and I've lost a lot of friends. Um, that are in my logbook right now that are not with us anymore, some because of accidents, uh, um, none from combat-related um, deaths, all because of human error, things that happened, um, a couple unknown, uh, could possibly be mechanical. But I, the biggest thing is I, I'll say don't get complacent. I think the same thing can be said for business too, is I think right now where we fall in doing the same like 170, 100, 180 deals a year, we, have the t- we could potentially become complacent and, and just struggle because of that and say that we're not innovating, we're not changing. Like it's, it's, it's the way it is because we've always done it that way. And uh, when you become complacent, people will start taking over your, your market, your space, your, uh, your world in, uh, in, in business too. So um, that's one thing. And, and the other one I would say is if I can give anybody a tip, it's, it's like, you're going to make mistakes. It's okay. Like if you're with a flight instructor, or you're by yourself, like just own the mistake, um, correct it, and, uh, and make the call, like take the information in, make the decision and take all the information that you have at the time, make the best decision that you possibly can. And you're going to make mistakes. I tell my flight students all the time, like, I want you to make mistakes with me because I want you to make them all with me so we can correct them. And don't, but don't make the same thing over and over and over again. If you make the same mistake twice, I'm going to be really upset with you. And so I think the same thing for us as we start flying, like just don't expect to be perfect all the time, especially for us, like high type A entrepreneurs. We're like, perfection is what we strive for. Like we have to be the best and you're going to get humbled in this, in this machine, in this airplane. And that's okay. Um, take it, learn from it and always be better. You'll never have a perfect flight. I've never had a perfect flight. I always screw something up on every single flight. I learn from it and I make a change and I adjust. I don't repeat the same thing over and over again. Sometimes I have to learn the lessons hard way. Sometimes I, I recognize it and it's the easy way, but those are a couple things for me. Like, uh, in flying this much, there's all, you always have to be thinking about what if, like just assume that your engine is going to fail every single second of the flight and always be looking for that field, especially in a single, even in, in a dual, but in a single engine airplane, for sure. Just assume that that engine is not going to work all the time and constantly be looking for where you're going to go and what's going to happen and how you're going to do it. And so if you visualizing that and training towards it, I think that's what general aviation does pretty poorly is trained emergency procedures where the military, we absolutely crush it in that. I mean, I have a really good friend of mine, Air Force pilot flies for FedEx now. He landed a Cessna uh, 172 on the beach in Destin when the, um, the oil, uh, one, of the, one of the cylinders exploded, oil all over the windshield, couldn't see anything, uh, landed that sucker, they got out, and I mean, he could have walked to the bar to have a beer. So that's what we do. Uh, probably a general aviation pilot would have, you know, depending on their experience, probably would have been killed. So we trained to that nonstop, and we're always thinking about it. So those are a few of my recommendations. Hopefully they help. No, those are great ones. I, I think the get their itis, you mentioned how they could kind of relate to getting complacent. Uh, I think in GA, they, they say that the five to 700 hour is when, you know, you get that complacency because that, hey, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I've been flying. I got 500 hours. And then phew, that's when you're not on your game. But I think when in, in investing, I'll make just a, a quick comment here is that why I got into this was to buy thousand mobile home parks. And I was at that five to a thousand hours in my real estate investing. And I wanted to get their itis. I wanted more. I wanted, I wanted to buy all these mobile home parks because I'd been super successful over the last 15 years. Why can't I in mobile home? And I just jumped into it and I got there. I had to get their itis of getting thousand units in it. 
it was my one time I've couple times I've lost money on real estate deals was jumping into these mobile home parks in Pueblo and Fort Morgan and they just weren't right, man. So I just, uh, that's just my one comment uh, about your comment about getting complacent. I ironically did my only time in my real estate career was mobile home parks. And that's the reason I got into aviation. Um, so just kind of maybe some irony there, I guess you could say, but well, let's, let's uh, jump to quick break, listen to our sponsor, and then we'll we'll jump right back in with the final five if that works for you. This episode of the Creative Real Estate Podcast is brought to you by both you and brought to you by the show itself. And we just wanted to say thank you, Jason. I really appreciate having you as a listener. And we have an ask. We've got a quick ask. If you have uh, been listening to the show for a little while, you love the show, and you haven't taken the time to leave a rating and a review, I just wanted to ask to see if you wouldn't mind uh, going into iTunes and doing a written review as well as a rating. Um, so that's our only ask. Let's get back to the show. All right. We are back from break. Bill Allen, what is the most creative real estate deal that you've done yourself? Hmm. Well, I've done a couple of like owner finance wraps that I really love, like when I don't have any money in the deal. So I've done a couple of those. I actually have one in one in Pace, Florida, right now that I uh, I ended up I ended up paying off the. So I had a, somebody hold back. I bought the house for thirteen thousand dollars. So depending on what market you're in, you might have just crashed your car. But it's a it's like a two bedroom, one bath, seven hundred square foot house that was not in great shape, um, and in a great school district in a great area. I had the owner carry that note. Uh, I ended up, um, I ended up paying it off uh, and buying it, and then I, but I wrapped it and I sold it on owner financing for like sixty-four thousand dollars and five thousand down. I did the math in the fifteen-year note that I have. I'll make like full payoff is like one hundred and fifty thousand dollars or something like that over fifteen years. So uh, for a, initially a zero money investment, and turned out to be a thirteen thousand dollars investment when he he wanted his payoff. So I I just paid him off. So. Uh, awesome. That was a great deal. And now, I mean, the tenant right now is giving me a little bit of trouble. Um, they're defaulting, but I'll probably just take the house back in default and turn around and, and sell it or owner finance it again. That's great. Where, uh, where do you kind of see the real estate market in the future, maybe say five years and where do you see yourself and your company at that time? Oh, my crystal ball five years from now. Uh, man, loaded question. Uh, uh, you know, I, I really don't know. I think uh, the real estate market is is pretty cyclical. Um, depending on what happens with all the forbearance stuff that's happening right now, we could see uh, some interesting stuff in the next two to three years. Um, I'm confident. I'm a pretty short-term investor from uh, single-family side stuff and a longer-term investor with a lot of the commercial and passive things that I have. So, I, you know, I hesitate to say that. I would say, you know, in the next two or three years, we probably have some solid opportunity if the foreclosures start ticking up and things start happening with all the fallout that we have right now. If we bounce back, like some people think we are, then, you know, I'm not exactly sure where we'll be in the cycle. I'll tell you where I'll be though, is I will watch what's happening. I will make a decision. I'll find a tripwire to determine when I'm going to shift and adjust and maneuver. Um, but right now I really like where we are as a company. And I have, the interesting thing is I have the foundation and the structure, like my leadership team and my management team, the, the top people in my company could do anything. Like we could, I could own a, a shoe store right now and just absolutely kill it with the staff that I have. And I think that's the, the key because we're, we're talking about, well, what if we want to buy more assets, property management, uh, maybe uh, continue to flip, maybe we want to do more wholesale. Like we have the team that can adapt to that stuff and the systems and structure. We're very agile. So I don't know. 
entrepreneur, I always struggle with like, where are you going to be in five or 10 years? Um, maybe I can tell you in like a year or two, but uh, I'm still going to be working. I love to work. I, it's, it's hard for me, even when I left Blackjack to go do something else. I, I can't just sit on the couch. So I'll be working that 80 hours a week like you talked about. And enjoying it. So that's, that's the key to it. What's, what's a type of me- median right now that you're consuming? A favorite book, a podcast, YouTube channel? What's something out there that's really kind of standing out right now for you? Yeah, you know, the, the interesting thing about this question, so when I answer it, I always like to give a caveat to everybody that's listening. Like if you just go read the book that I'm reading or the things that I'm doing, you have to be very, very careful with that because where I'm at in my journey might not be where you're at in your journey. So I was a guy who read 50 books a year for the past couple of years and I thought that was awesome. I was like, yes, I'm doing it. But I really didn't do enough with it. So this year, we're recording this at the end of May, almost June. I've only probably read four books this year. And what I do is I take like what I need at the time and I go get it, I go implement it and then I iterate it. And then if I need something else, I figure out what's that one thing that I need and I go get it. Um, The one book that I will shout from a mountaintop um, about is Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink. I think anybody at any time along their journey can read that book and get tremendous value from it, no matter where you are. And, and Leif Babin is, was the other author who doesn't usually get as much credit as Jocko does. But a phenomenal book and I'd recommend listening to it. So that's one. But I'm in, you know, the mastermind company that I run now, I, I'm, I'm in a place where it's more about kind of a marketing and stuff. So I'm consuming a lot of marketing things right now, like um, a lot of Russell Brunson stuff and, and different marketers that I'm following and looking for that, some help in that world. Great. What's, and that's a good tip. Really appreciate it because I do think that uh, just reading a bunch of books, if they aren't relevant to where you are, is actually defeating because it's consuming time versus adding value to your your journey. What's your favorite way to give back to the real estate community since it's given so much to you? Uh, I, like I, I, my podcast, like I'm probably a lot like you, like I'm an engineer. I have an engineering background. I'm numbers. I'm a spreadsheet kind of guy. And so I'm not an artist, but I feel like that's my creative outlet that I can actually share some of my stories and history and bring people on and, and talk to them and try to become a better like interviewer and ask better questions and actually listen instead of talk so much. That's a struggle for me. So, um, that for me, that's, that's it. And then we have, we have, uh, different events that we run. I absolutely love just like, I love presenting. I love speaking from stage. I love, um, I love just trying to see if I can motivate people to do more than they think they can do. Cause really that's what people poured into me. So I just want to turn around and do the same thing for other people. So that's the kind of, uh, and obviously all the charitable stuff that we're doing, it means a lot to me too, but for the real estate community, I think that's it. Like just, if I can give free value and content out there, um, that that's the goal. It's great. Feel free to give a shout out to any of those charitable events as well. And we'll throw those in the show notes for anyone who might uh, have a connection to any of those. Awesome. So we have uh, we have a big event that we run every October called Flip Hacking Live. The past couple of years, uh, Operation Underground Railroad, OUR has been our um, our sponsor, or not our, uh, the charity that we support. Um, two years ago, we raised 150,000 for them. Last year, we raised 155,000 for them. Uh, my goal this year at our event in October, down, it's in Orlando, it's going to be uh, 250,000 is my goal. So like, when you guys come up with your big goals for the year, like on the top of mine is how much money can I raise for those, these, these charities and what can we do? Because, um, you know, what we're doing is just a means to, to do something else. Like that money is, is if I can, if I know that if I can bring a thousand people to that event, then we can hit those numbers. So like all of that is driven to bring them in and, and 
figure out how we can help the community together. So um, that's one of them. We have an event coming up in a couple of days. This will come out well after that, but there might be some uh, recordings of the event available. Um, That's called uh, Veterans Live. Um, So we have a bunch of military veterans, a lot of aviators actually, that are going to be speaking about what they do in their little niches of real estate. And um, uh, we're we're donating to Veterans Community Project, which uh, builds tiny houses for homeless veterans. So $35,000 will build a tiny house for them. So we're sitting around like close to 20 grand right now. So we got two days to go. So I, I really gave them a motivate, like all the speakers, a motivational speech today. Like if each of you sell five tickets, we will do very, very well. So uh, we'll hit our $35,000 goal. So that, those are a couple of them. Veteranslive.com. If you do listen to this and we are uh, doing something with the recordings, it'll be on that site. And the other one is fliphackinglive.com to grab a ticket. So that's uh, like two of the things. That we, and uh, ourrescue.org is probably my, the biggest one that I, I wear on my chest. Uh, a lot of other ones are really important to me. My Children's Heart Foundation, my son was, uh, uh, my, my middle son's special needs has four open heart surgeries the first six months he was alive. So that's a charity that we support as well. Uh, so, yep. Great. We'll make sure we put all those in the show notes, uh, help you try to keep doing the good that you're doing and maybe give it a little extra boost. And and if they want to reach out to you direct, I know you're a busy guy, but what's uh, what's maybe the best way people can reach out that we can throw in the show notes as well? Yeah, I would recommend just going to sevenfigureflipping.com. So it's the number sevenfigureflipping.com and we got like a contact us page and that stuff gets to me. So uh, a lot of people don't uh, send that stuff directly to them, but all the like uh, all those emails go straight to me. Some of my team get them too, but um, yeah, I'm happy to to do whatever I can. So that's probably the best way to get a hold of me. Um, maybe I should mention my Instagram page because there's like, I have like 20 friends. So, um, and my team is like, how do you not have any people that, that like your stuff? I was like, I don't even know what I, how to use this thing. So, um, that one's Bill Allen REI. So, okay. Uh, well, let, let's have a goal after this air is of getting you 25, uh, boosting it at a whopping 25% to 25 friends or followers or, you know, so that's a beautiful that's a, thing. My team they, will be so happy. They're like, dude, you got to figure out the social media thing. I said, look, I, I, I'm the engineer. Can you guys just work on that stuff? And, uh, and I, I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll figure it out. All right. We'll get you five. That's, that's my big goal in life, my big why. So the next few months when people ask me what my big why is, is get Bill Allen five more Instagram followers. So I'll, I'll get there. Um, that's awesome. So, all right. Well, as always, my friend, until next time, think outside the box. Thank you so much for listening to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. And if you got value from this episode of the podcast, please take the time to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Give us a written rating and a review. We'd really, really appreciate it. I'm going to let you go. But until next time, think outside the box.